everyone. Welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, a Degrassi viewing podcast. I'm Donnie, your very emotionally frazzled veteran. <laughs> I'm Frank, the the newcomer who's getting there. <laughs> so, welcome to Degrassi Season 1, Episode 10, Rumors and Reputations. Uh, before we get into this episode, um, I think it's really important to do a content warning. Uh, though the actual content of this episode is not does not quite go there in the direction that the first two episodes of this series did. Um, we are going to be discussing sexual assault, power dynamics between students and teachers, and the potential predation that can come from that. Um, so if this is something that you need to take a, take a seat from, that's fine. Also, we're going to be talking about bugs, and if that's something that skeeves you, also may not be an episode you want to listen to. Yep, it's, uh... It's one of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we went from like an episode where we're just like, fucking rah! to, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Um, which also I feel the need to put a disclaimer at the time that we're recording this. I literally just came back from my, like my kid's graduation. So mm-hmm. my like need to protect children is at an all time high. Um, so I'm going to be coming from a very emotional space while talking about this episode. Um, I'm sorry. That's just how it's going to be. Um, so, should we do, a, like, a brief summary of what this episode is? A plot, B plot? Um, the A plot is that Emma sees a teacher alone in a classroom with, um, Liberty. And, um, thinks they're a little too close. And as she's trying to work out what to do about this, a rumor takes off that the teacher and Liberty are, or the teacher is preying on Liberty, um, and it just spirals out of control from there. Mm-hmm. Um, the B-plot is um, Spinner finds an earwig in his food. <laughs> And tries to prove that the cafeteria is full of bugs. Yeah, yeah, so that's the short of it. Um, I mean, what's interesting about this one is I feel like this was one of the ones where the A plot and the B plot, the topic of them complement each other, though the way that they complement each other, like, they're not just, like, the same plot, but they both kind of go over this idea of, like, rumors and lies and how things can be misconstrued. Um, though the end results of these are a bit dubious. To say the least. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I almost want to do the B-plot first this time around, because I feel like the A-plot is very heavy. Yeah. So, I feel like the B-plot, we should just, like, knock it out now, because I have a feeling we'll have less to say about the B-plot than we will about the A-plot. Um, but like Frank said, so the... Our B-plot features Spinner. It's the first time we've really seen him in a while. Um, it's the first time we learned his first name. Y- yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> Other than, like, maybe the principal said it. Like, this is the first time we're seeing them, like, extensively use it in a long, long time. Um, yeah, Gavin. That's him. Spinner. Uh, so, like, the, 
Sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. Sorry to interrupt, but that's such a perfect first name for him. I agree. I agree. He just looks like a Gavin. Yeah, no, it's very like early aughts. This is your kind of wannabe bully. His name is Gavin. He goes by Spinner, and you're like, I believe this, and I take this at face value. <laughs> oh, my tender chunkhead. Yes, the tender chunkhead. Well, the tender chunkhead is in a bit of a situation. So the tender chunkhead. Um, decides that he is, uh, well, it's not really that he decides. He eats the food, which is four ninety nine. Yeah. What the actual, okay, so in, I. In early alt dollars. Yeah, like, that's, like, a lot. But, like, I talked to a friend of mine about this who who went to school in Canada. I, 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 unfortunately, I didn't have enough time to pull all of my friends from Canada. So, obviously, if you're Canadian listening to this, like, this is just one person's experience. But, like. I was told by that friend that at least in her experience in school, she didn't really get school lunch. Like, it wasn't really a thing. It was kind of a thing in elementary school, but, like, most kids don't buy lunch, which is kind of interesting because it seems that, at least in Degrassi, it skews very bought lunch. Yeah, like... You don't see a lot of people brown bagging it. No, which I mean, I guess kind of works on a cinematic level a bit, because like you can have the extras walking around and milling about in a way that maybe you wouldn't necessarily have if they were all brown bagging it. But it's it was interesting hearing from my friend's perspective to be like, like my friend said, Pax, I'm, t- I'm quoting you. Um, like, my friend was just kind of like, yeah, I didn't really realize, like, that was a thing. I thought it was just a thing in the media. Um, which I found interesting, which... I don't know enough about, and unfortunately I didn't do very much research about this before we aired, but I'm very intrigued by, like, is this a common thing where the lunch is not usually utilized, hence maybe it's expensive? But that still doesn't really explain why in Degrassi, like, every kid gets the cafeteria lunch. Did you have a favorite, like, bought school lunch? I wasn't really one of those kids that bought lunch. I was one of those kids who, like, in third grade, I packed my lunch once, and my mother was like, oh, so you can pack lunch. So that's what you're going to do. So, like, I never really splurged. I mean, the only thing that I did was when I was a kid, I would collect change on the playground, and then at the end of the year, I would save up to get one of those rainbow push pops. We never had those. Oh, Um, you're missing out. We had, like, we had churros, I think, or something. Okay. Maybe not churros, but, like, waffle, like, not waffle, uh, uh, wafer cookies. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but, like, okay, so, I, you know, I come from an Italian family, uh, my last name's Coda, my mom makes the best sauce, like... Debatable, but okay. Uh, yeah, oh, everybody has their own sauce, but for me, it's my favorite. Of course. Like... But there's something about, like, the awful cafeteria, like, spaghetti sauce. Like, the terrible meat sauce. I was just like, damn, I remember it being so good. Well, here's my thing about it. It's like, and I don't know if you're like this, but, like, as somebody who's Italian-American, like, I either want, like, you know, a family recipe lovingly made, or I want something so bad it's, like, comes from a can. Basically, yeah. Yeah, like, if, like, don't try and gussy it up. I know it's garbage. That's fine. I don't mind eating garbage if I know that it's garbage. Yeah. Well, my, um, uh, <laughs> like, I remember I watched Band of Brothers a while ago, and, like, one of the, fir- the first, the training camp episode, they eat, like, they get a special spaghetti dinner, and, like, the, the Italians are just like, as a fellow Italian, you must be as offended by this as I am. This isn't spaghetti. This is noodles of ketchup. <laughs> 
It's like, yeah, but I'll eat it because they're not trying to make it any more than it is. Yeah, it's not putting on airs. Yeah, exactly. It's like, if it's, it's unpretentious. Tastes like garbage. Unpretentious. Tastes a little bit like tin. Okay, so they have, they have, like, crushed squash for lunch? Yeah, what the heck? It was like... <laughs> Okay, so, and this is going to be really morbid, but, like, I, I've i decided, R.I.P. Anthony Bourdain, I'm going to watch Parts Unknown because they extended the run of it on Netflix. So, like, because I've always found his programming very comforting, he's like, he's like you know, one of the new gods of the New Jersey pantheon, basically. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch it. And I remember I was watching the one that was in Lyon. Uh, and they were, they were talking about, like, the lunch there, and how, like, the, the, the chef, really, she's, she's not, like, to call her a cafeteria worker is, is an insult, like, she, like, makes all this, like, she makes, like, pumpkin soup, and, like, fresh (laughs) bread, and all this type of stuff, and, like, that's what it made me think of, like, like, this, like, roasted squash and stuff like that on, like, like, wild rice, it looked like. Like, I was like, okay. <laughs> the squash is in season. Yeah, like, I'm looking at the colors on the plates of, like, the food that the kids in Degrassi are eating, and I'm like, that looks not like that monotone brown that my experience was. <laughs> Jim, Jimmy and, uh, Jimmy and Spinner pass on looking at the wine list. <laughs> Seriously, though, I was, like, looking at him, like, well, damn, maybe it is worth five dollars. <laughs> so, anyway, he finds an earwig, and in true Spinner fashion, instead of being, like, a cafeteria worker... Excuse me. I found an earwig in my food. He just launches it at somebody. He doesn't launch it at It's Ashley. not anybody we know. It's just a <laughs> poor, unfortunate brunette. Like, okay, and here's... Okay, so... Just a just a, a quick tangent because I was thinking about this, like I'm getting the same feeling that I got watching the Harry Potter movies. Now that I'm, like we're knee deep in Degrassi, where it's just like, does everything happen to the same group of like eight kids? Oh yeah, no, no, that's a very common feeling, even amongst fans of Degrassi, where it's like. It's, it's something that, like, I've joked about with other Degrassi fans, where it's like, can you imagine being a kid who wasn't one of the principal characters? Just there. Just there, and you're watching, like, these horrible things happen to, like, at some points, like, the, the cast balloons to, like, 20 characters. Like, I cannot even imagine. <laughs> like, just watching it all unfold. Um, well, actually, I, I'll save for recommendations. Um, but anyway, so he... So instead of just being like... Like, madame, I found a earwig in my squash. <laughs> I will not be having the creme brulee at the end of this. I don't know, that's a dessert. It is a dessert. You're <laughs> okay. he, So he just launches at another student, and then he's just like, I found an earwig in my food. <laughs> and like, the cafeteria's like, where's the earwig? And then he somehow spots it. Like He's like, there! Like, points at it, and then... It gets squashed. Yeah, but like, oh, it's I on get, the bottom of the shoe. I get it. it the earwig was in squash, then it got squashed. Yeah, there you go. You yeah, know, Degrassi. It's funny. They, love, they love humor. Comedy, really. But, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like, you watch it, you watch it just... You watch it, like, drag away, basically. You're like, well... <laughs> there goes that. So then, like... Cut to them after lunch, and Spinner's just like, hey, I'm, like, uh, normally I, like, I don't try and think too hard about the acting, 
But Spinner acting in the scene just was not good. He was totally all over the place in this episode, and I actually think it was a huge deterrent. Not to, like, rat on a kid who was, like, probably around, like... 14 years old at the time. Probably on his, like, first, act, like, paid acting Oh, it was gig. definitely, yeah. Like, for sure. It was really hard to read how serious Spinner was throughout this whole entire plot. At least for me. Because, like, he's telling Ashley and Jimmy, or, like, Jimmy and, Jimmy and, um, Spinner are telling Ashley, and Ashley's like, what kind of bug was it? And, and Jimmy says, a moth. And Spinner's like, it was an earwig. She's like, you guys can't even keep your lie, like, together. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a... There's a lot of weird stuff about this plot. And I think this also happens with the A plot, where I, I would... I think that Emma and Spinner, to a certain extent... Well, Spinner especially, were in the right. In the sense that I think Emma had a right to be concerned mm-hmm. about Liberty... And I think Spinner, as we saw, had a right to be concerned about the bug. But, like, it felt like the writers, and or maybe just the direction of it, which probably was the direction of it, they couldn't decide what kind of tone they wanted Spinner to have. And they, stu- they struggled. It didn't feel enough to me while watching it that this was a kid who wasn't being believed. Yeah. Like, it just didn't feel like the logical steps in a kid who felt like he was being lied to. Yeah. Like, because you'll you'll see from his very not good plan, like, what happens. Yeah, yeah. So then he's just like, 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 acting is just like, everybody, like, he sounds kind of drugged. He's just, I guess, Spinner is drugged. Um, he's just like, everybody, boycott the calf, boycott the calf. And then Miss Kwan just comes out of nowhere. Because she's the only person who works at the school, including she's the only <laughs> one who does lunch duty. Well, I, like, I had this whole theory in my head that Miss Kwan, like, got tipped off, like, by the cafeteria worker. And <laughs> the cafeteria was just like, cafeteria worker's like, he's on to us, you need to quiet this down real quick, destroy his credibility. Shut it down, please. Like, she shows up, I was just like, whoa, she shows up specifically suspiciously fast yeah yeah she just zooms though to be fair like as somebody who has worked lunch duty which i hate by the way it's like the second something like is a little rowdy like you just have to run you're like ah damn it i don't even know if this is gonna be a fight but i gotta go bye (laughs) yeah i i did lunch duty a few times uh when i was a substitute awful oh it's just so loud i will literally take any other duty i will take iss i will take hall duty I will take anything. Just don't give me lunch duty. I got the worst headaches. Uh, yeah, like, and I, I, I think that was the most the time I most felt like a prison guard because I'm yeah. just constantly wondering, like, am I just gonna get it from behind by like somebody throwing something at me or just getting hit in the head with a tray or something? Well, that's the thing about lunch duty because it's like. I can't just hang out and chat with kids. Like, you know what I mean? Like. I gotta walk around, or I gotta lean against the wall and stare them down. Like, it's not the dynamic that I like to have with students. And, like, you do feel a bit like a prison guard or something like that, where it's like, you can't even actually build rapport with kids because your expectation is to stay by your post. It's just, like, this really inorganic way of doing things, and it's just super chaotic. And quite frankly, I don't want to see what kids are like during in the cafeteria, because I feel like it, it's this very primal 
situation, and I don't want any part of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, I remember when I was in high school, I got I caught wind that there was going to be a food fight. Oh, no. And I was just like, well, I'm going to the library. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've never had to break up a food fight. I've, but like, you know, I've, I've had to kind of monitor slap fights that could easily become real fights and stuff like that. And it's just like, it's so annoying. And I understand that like, it's part of our job to do a duty and I get it. But like, if I had it my way, I would never do lunch. I would literally do anything else. Yeah. I would Um, do it like an aftercare before I do lunch duty. Yeah. Man. So anyway, um, let's just, we cut to the next day, fucking, Spinner shows up with an entire, like, not an entire, but like... Like, uh, I can't believe it's not butter container of earwigs. Yes. <laughs> like, it took me like three hours to find these. Like, just think of all the things you've been doing better with your time, Spinner. Like, it's work. <laughs> <laughs> not trying to do what he can to not repeat the class for a second time. Oh, wait. At one point, because the cafeteria... The cafeteria worker, in the beginning, says, like, I can't wait for you to graduate, even if, even if it takes a while. <laughs> like, I don't know. Or I, a couple years or I something. Don't, I don't know how many years it's going to take, That's but I can't wait to see you graduate. Yeah, it's... Oof. There's, like... <sighs> The thing about Spinner is, like, it's it's hard not to root for him, because he's, like, totally boneheaded. He's, he makes horrible decisions a lot of the time, but, like, you see how, how forsaken in many ways he has been by a lot of adults. Yeah. Because we've seen this before, where adults have not treated him as fairly or as nicely as they could have, based on the pretense of the fact that he has had to repeat the grade. He... He reminds me, honestly, a lot of, like, how the Slytherins are looked at in the Harry Potter books. Okay. Where it's just constantly like, well, that's just Spinner. Like, we don't have to believe Spinner. We don't have to give Spinner a chance. Yeah, yeah, okay, I can see where you're coming with that one. It's Like, they're like, the Slytherins are the evil class in the school. It's like, well, what do you, kind of future do you expect for these kids, asshole? Well, it speaks to, (laughs) and, and this is something that I think even some of the best teachers do fall into sometimes which is like you do you kind of box kids and that box can be like putting them in a good kid category but sometimes you do put them in the bad kid category and that kid goes well i'm bad what's the point of me doing any more than i need to yeah and spinner's been locked in the box of he's not gonna do the right thing yeah yeah which i think if I don't want to give the writers credit for doing this because I really don't think that they've explored this enough for me to really feel it. But I feel like it's a very real conversation piece to have the fact that this kid has just been hand-waved and because of it he acts out because he doesn't have a reason to have to have a moral right-from-wrong compass that's really all that active. Yeah. this is this, And this is the episode... This is... We've watched, what is this, episode 9? Episode 10? Episode 10. Episode 10. 20% of the episodes we've watched have ended with Spinner getting in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a scapegoat. And I wish this episode better explored the damage of being the scapegoat. Because yeah. it, it dropped the ball here. But um, before we get to that part of the analysis, yeah, he brings like this, like, I can't believe it's not butter container of earwigs 
Jimmy, like, opens it, and he's like, ugh. <laughs> like, and the thing about Jimmy and Spinner's dynamic, it's so hard for me to fully love it after the whole Ritalin incident. Yeah. But, like, they're really <laughs> funny bros. Like, when I, when I allow myself to forget about it or let go of it enough or tell myself that time has passed enough in this nebulous cloud, but, like, they're, like, totally, like, this, this weird duo that, like, doesn't quite make sense, but you still like it. Yeah. That's how I feel watching them interact. Um, actually, apparently on, on the subject of Drake, apparently in his latest music video, he had, like, yes. a Degrassi reunion. Yes, 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 yes. I was like, why is Degrassi trending? And then I looked, and I was, like, absolutely delighted. <laughs> um, anyway, so, I've, I've, <laughs> so, here's what, I'm liking the fact that kids on these shows come up with, on this show, come up with just the worst plans. Yeah, Because yeah. he's just gonna be like... I'm going to show, like, that the whole place has bugs. And I was like, okay, so he's going to sneak into the kitchen when nobody's looking and just dump bugs in food? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, okay. All right. Um, and it's just like, Spinner, that is entrapment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, instead, no, he just opens up the tub when Ashley isn't looking and just oh throws my God. in her food. And my favorite part is Jimmy. The, the pinnacle of loyalty just goes, you put the bugs in her food? Like, he's, like, outraged that that's the person that was chosen. And, well, I mean, that's that's Jimmy's girlfriend. I know, but, like, he was, like it's just so funny to me that it's, like, that's his reaction. It's like, why? It's not, oh, I understand. I understand why. Like, it's just, like, ugh. It was a necessary evil, Ashley. <laughs> Ashley, listen to me. The needs of the few, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. I would have died if that's what he just turned around and said that. But, like, and the thing is, is, like, it almost gets there because Spinner poses a really good point in the process saying, like, you know, people would believe Ashley. People would believe if Ashley reported back on a bug, which is true. Ashley, clearly, we have seen in this series, has good standing amongst people because she does the announcements and she does all of, like, the student council stuff. Like, she's somebody that can be trusted. Um, but I think that, once again, Degrassi falls into this thing, which, I mean, we could debate whether or not it was good or not, that the consequences get put upon the character with the boneheaded plan, which, you know, Spinner's plan was boneheaded, but he never gets legitimized at any point. I mean, like, his logic is sound, though, like, yeah. and that's the saddest part, is he's yeah. just like, nobody will believe me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the thing is, is, like, I would have loved and been fine with that if that was the main kind of thing, but the thing is, is, like, the, the plot, am I missing anything before I go into his punishment? No, I no, so. I think it just jumps to his punishment. His punishment, then, is for a couple months having to work in the cafeteria, which, by the way on a discipline level is actually a pretty good punishment it's very restorative which is pretty cool so like you know as opposed to him getting more detentions and shit which probably he has too many to begin with like they couldn't give him any more they were like well you're already being punished for the ritalin and the mooning incident like <laughs> or but and also we can't exactly show you gay porn which is our normal way of punishing people right right it's like we can't usually go to our, our uh, more unorthodox methods so like you're having him work at the cafeteria and it's it's a toss-up because he still doesn't get believed there's an exterminator happening but like it's not necessarily because it's it's one of those things where it's like they're getting an exterminator in theory the bugs are going to be killed but 
nobody has ever particularly believed him in the process. Yeah. <laughs> and then Spinner just gives the gives a, a speech like from the from Christopher Nolan's Batman movies. I did this. <laughs> I'll accept this punishment. As long as justice is served. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's a weird one because, and I think that a lot of Degrassi plots have fallen into this where it's like, do I agree with the writers that the character was in the wrong and deserves some sort of punishment for their action? Sure. He probably shouldn't have dumped a bunch of earworm, earwigs, whatever's, into, into somebody's food to prove a point. But it, it's hard for me to fully be okay with this, especially because I have already seen this character not be believed or not feel comfortable saying the truth in other plots. It's just like, I, I you know, I've, I never had a, a younger, younger sibling, but I've dealt with, you know, kids, like, you know, cousins I had to babysit and whatnot. Mm. And like, legitim like, just legitimizing them is just so important. Like, you know, my, my main tactic for, like, when they're like, oh, there's a monster under my bed or there's a monster in my closet, you don't tell them, no, there isn't. Yeah. Like, you, you fucking, you, I'm, I'm, excuse me, I'm cursing a lot, I'm gonna just cut some of those out. But, yeah. like, you, you roll up your sleeves and it's just like, oh, here, go and get it. Like, so that they know to come to you in the future. And yeah. I, and now I'm thinking, like, that's probably why Spinner didn't bring this up to Miss Kwan. Be like, exactly. well, let's go to the cafeteria. And, like, check this out, like, because he knew nobody would ever do that for him. Yeah, and, like, I think the problem is with Spinner a lot of the time is I'm not usually in disagreement that he should be punished. I think a lot of the time he does things and there needs to be some sort of consequence. However, I think it would have been really helpful if there was a scene in which Quan or somebody went, you know what, I believe you, but you still shouldn't have done the thing that you did. Like he he doesn't get the um he doesn't get the uh, spike is that the teacher name? Uh, snake. Snake. He doesn't yeah. get the snake Toby moment. Yeah, and yeah. That's really disappointing. And I think that it could have been really beautiful with Quan and him because we know that Quan knows him. We know that Quan has it seems that like has had him before because of the remarks that she made when he was when his character was introduced. It would have been really nice. Especially as somebody who has had similar dynamics with kids, especially kids who have repeated my classes, to be like, look, you gotta get your shit together, but I believe you, and I want to help you get it together. Yeah. And he doesn't have that moment, and we haven't seen any adults give him that moment. Yeah. No, nobody's been nice to spend Or any kids, really. No. Even Jimmy's not the best. Yeah, yeah, like, he's not the person to, like, he has not particularly been somebody to legitimate Spinner's perspective. But, yeah, oh god, I just, now I'm just, like, struck by how lonely the lives of Jimmy and Spinner are. Yeah, yeah, no, it is, and they're, they're lonely in different ways, where it's like, Jimmy is alone, like, we literally see him alone. Spinner is surrounded by people, but also simultaneously still alone. Yeah. Oh, my sweet ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's it's very worrisome. It's really upsetting. And that's kind of my issue with the ending. Like, I don't actually disagree with his punishment. Mm -hmm. I actually think him working at the cafeteria to make up for the money and the extermination fees 
or just, you know, causing a big scene is not a bad thing because restorative practices, for those of you interested in educational theory, uh, the idea is to not just put a kid in detention, but to have the kid give back to the community and become reaccepted into the community. So that's potentially a really good way for him to establish common ground again with the cafeteria staff. So that's actually a really good idea. I just wish that at some point Spinner's narrative outside of Jimmy kind of rolling his eyes and, and going with it was accepted. Um, I was just thinking, is that why in like Japanese schools, like the kids are the ones who clean up everything? I can't speak too much to the ideology of that, but you do see this idea, especially in Japanese schooling, of this idea of like this is your space and you're working in a collective and you should maintain this so that the collective can benefit. Because <laughs> I was just imagining myself as like saw some kids vandalizing. And like, I just cleaned that up. Yeah, but that's the idea. It's like you take pride in what you're doing and you take pride in the space you occupy because you helped play a part in it. You're not just some transient being who comes in from like you know eight to three every day you are an active member of this community yeah <sighs> all right should we get into it yeah so our a plot this is where i think really where the content warnings are so once again like if you were able to handle the bugs uh, but you know <laughs> this isn't really a one-to-one -one correlation <laughs> yeah yeah but if you're able to handle bugs you were like okay fine but this is the part where we actually really get heavy into like sexual assault and harassment and things like that yeah it's it's all right yeah it's gonna be rough um yeah all right so uh we start with emma and manny coming into school emma glances into a classroom and there's a teacher in there named armstrong um have we seen him before? I think we've seen him in passing. I think we've seen him in passing. He he he's in the series for a very long time. Um, but he uh, is like Liberty and him are in a classroom by themselves. Uh, the the door is open. Mm -hmm. Like which I know is important. Mm -hmm. And um, she looks upset, and he, like he has his arm around her, and Emma just like hones in on it. Yeah, yeah, well, it's... <sighs> I mean... <sighs> this part, and I think this is where this plot misses the mark. So, like, contemporary teaching practices, you are told you should not, unless the student is, like, hugging you at graduation or something like that, you should never touch a student. Mm -hmm. Like, the advice is that that can be misconstrued. Or you could be invading a student's personal space. Because there is a power dynamic, right? Like, teachers and students have... A, there's a power dynamic in place where the teacher has power over the student. And you don't want to cross that line. And so you're told you shouldn't touch. Now, granted, early aughts slash Armstrong appears to be a older teacher at this point. Not that he's old, but like it appears he's been in the school for a while at this point. He may come at it from a different perspective... But, I mean, as long as I was training to be a teacher, it was drilled into us that we should not touch the students. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was a sub, and I, even I knew that. Like, Yeah, like, it's drilled into your professional development at this point. Like, do not touch your students. 
And, like, are there cases where you can break that rule? Are there cases where a student does need some sort of compassion that, like, you know, or, like, a shoulder, like a, like a hand on your shoulder and things like that? Like, absolutely. Are there times that you may do that at a point of, like, you know, oh, I saw you at the musical and you did really well. Let me give you a hug or you graduated, et cetera, et cetera. Like, absolutely. But that doesn't like during that time like and the thing about it and they really drove this with the cinematography and everything with this episode like those touches were intimate we are not talking like a pat on the shoulder type step they were really dragging out the way that he was doing it like full hand on the arm extended periods of time like while there is something to be said about the the issue of rumors emma having a bad feeling about that was not wrong yeah um oh, it's just it's so hard to know where to start let's just yeah yeah well like, like yeah because it's just and, and i mean we're even uh like i'm just one like I feel like this episode would have even worked if you didn't have the first two episodes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Because, like, I think it reiterates that Emma cares about others. Yeah. And wants to do what's right. And this is where I think the end part does have some weight to it and has some merit to it. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Where Emma wants to do what's right. and, And I don't really think that they were going at this from a survivor angle. Yeah. I feel like they would have established it more that Emma's looking at this as somebody who is a survivor of this. Hmm. I think it would have also put a little bit more weight behind it, though I understand maybe they didn't want to do that and then in many ways vilify a survivor. Yeah. But once again, to reiterate, like, Emma has good reason, based on what she saw, to be concerned. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is the world that we live in, I'm sorry, like, I work with decent male teachers, but you better believe that when I watch them interact with female students, I am watching them. And if I see them cross any lines, I am going to say something to them. I mean, like, I know from, you know, I know from the world, you are, that is, like, the absolute correct way to do these things, but also having watched just all this teen media, I am so tired of, like predatory like teacher student relationships yeah and as you should be like it was, oh god i remember pretty little liars were like we're gonna normalize this and like fuck you show fuck you it's, <laughs> like, it's yeah i mean it's just it's disgusting and like is this something that is probably more common than we want to believe absolutely is this something that um you know, an overwhelming amount of people may experience but never report. Oh, totally. It's very frustrating to still watch it. And it's very upsetting. And the way that they drag out a lot of these scenes, you're very worried. Like, I knew how this episode ended. Frank, I don't know if you knew. Like, you, so you were, like, kind of watching this and, and kind of prepared that he might be be a predator i kind of thought that might be the like surprise ending honestly like like, where they just go from like liberty liberty tells like emma off 
And then it's just like, nope, it's actually true. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, yeah. like they just framed it like a horror movie. I was happy that it wasn't, but it was just so stressful to watch. And just, this is, I think, um, beyond the Toby Parents Day episode, this was the hardest episode for me to, like, watch continuously. Yeah, it made me very, as a teacher, like, this is obviously a topic that's very, very close to me, like, maintaining the appropriate dynamics with teenagers because it's like as a teacher anybody who works with youth anybody who works with teenagers like you will meet kids who desperately need support and desperately need love and you're going to want to take care of them and nurture them in a way that may not be strictly as a teacher but as a mentor and sometimes even as a parent and to see this play out it kind of activates that feeling in you of like (laughs) wanting to protect any and all youth especially youth who need that protection so like even though i knew how the episode ended i spent a lot of the episode activated which is very frustrating yeah um i mean yeah like this episode this episode was hard for me to watch now because yeah. I, mean, I talked about it last week when I was just like, because these kids are all look so young, are, are so young, it's yeah. just like, I just want to get in there and protect you because, like, the world is big and scary. Like, this yeah. would have been near impossible for me to watch when I was a teenager and, like, especially, like, a young male in my 20s. Because, mm-hmm. like, I, yeah, the thing you're talking about, um, like, men send a different message with their, like physical, like, you know, affection or comfort to students. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt that for just years of my life. Mm -hmm. Like, that, like, I was always scared that, like, there was something inside of me, something, like, dark and primal and evil. And, like, it's only taken me, like, in the last few years to be like, no, I am, like, like, I know I'm not that. Like, Mm -hmm. um... A friend, uh, a friend of mine once said, like, I brought this up to them, and, like, a friend of mine once said, um, monsters don't ask permission. And mm. I took that to heart, and I was just like, yep, like, because, you know, at times I do have to stop myself, like, because my, like, my first inter- my first, whenever I see somebody upset, my first immediate reaction is, okay, I'm coming in for the hug, but then yeah. I just stop myself and be like, is it okay if I hug you? Because, <laughs> yeah. like, I, you know, I, I know I'm sending a different message, and I don't want to do that. So, but we don't see that, the beginning of this interaction with Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I, honestly, I don't know his, like, particular, like, I'm not, I'm not gonna trust somebody if I don't see, like, how it starts. Yeah. Especially if a child. Yeah, like, we don't know if, consent was established that they could touch each other i mean i and i have had like dynamics with students which were actually very consent based which was very adult of the kid where it's like you know something great happens i'm not gonna hug that kid until unless we establish like okay we're gonna hug like and and that's obviously a dynamic i think any dynamic could benefit from that not just one with a power element to it i think any dynamic could benefit from establishing consent i think that's more than just a sexual sense i think that's also in a platonic sense 
um, a romantic sense in every sense of the word. Yeah, I mean, like, I used to think it was just, it felt very cold to do that. Yeah. But then I just realized, like, you're helping somebody just stand on their own two feet and say, like, this is what I need. And maybe what I don't need is to be touched right now. Exactly. Maybe I just need you to stay here with me. Exactly. And, like, there's so much power in that. Um, but once again, Emma is not privy to that. And it also kind of becomes a thing of, regardless of if consent is established, is that still appropriate in a classroom when a kid is seeking help? Like, and the way that they frame it, it does come off really intimate, for lack of better terms. It's, uh, it's just, like... It's worrisome. And yeah. it would be worrisome regardless of the gender of the teacher. Yeah. But there's something very, like, it, it, it hits you in a way that is so specific when it's this male teacher coming on, what appears to be coming on to a young girl, and especially a girl like Liberty, which I think is a huge factor, not to say that anyone should be a victim. Um, nobody should be a survivor of sexual assault. But... With Liberty, you know how, at least when watching this episode, it really made me realize how alone she is. Mm -hmm. And how she doesn't have people. Yeah, like, we don't see her, like, it's not a trio. We don't see her having fun. Yeah, well, I was going to say, like, we don't see her as a trio with Manny and Emma. Yeah, it's It's, like... And then, like, she's part of student council... But, like, actually just barely tolerates her. Yeah. It it makes it so worrisome because it's like, you know that, even though we didn't see it, you know that after the incident in the hotel, Emma talked to Manny. Like, you know that if Emma had any other issues, she could always talk to Manny and has. And we know that Manny would most likely bring it to Emma. And we know that, you know, if Ashley had an issue, she would tell Terry, etc., etc. Like, there's so many of these connections. And when you see Liberty potentially going through something which is so traumatic, um, it really makes you reevaluate her relationship dynamics in the rest of the show. And it makes it so much scarier because it's... And, like, it's such an issue in this plot of her, at least in my experience watching it, like, her going through something, and regardless of it being true or not, she's still going through being in the rumor mill, which is its own form of emotional abuse, really. And uh, and isolating. And yeah, and being isolated, which, which she's already isolated in general. And it, 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 there was this layer of panic that I felt watching it. Um, I have a point to make, but I have to reveal the end of the episode to do it. Do you want to yeah. get to let's, it? Or... Let's keep moving with the plot. Okay. So, Emma tells Manny, and then Terry, like, they're talking. At it's so a like, chain. Yeah. yeah. Okay, should I just run through the chain? Yeah, just go through the chain. Terry tells, Terry tells Paige, Paige tells... Hazel! We get to meet Hazel. Yeah, is she gonna be... She'll, she'll be back. <laughs> Sorry, spoiler, she comes back. Hazel tells Jimmy... Oh, no, Hazel tells Sean. Yes, Sean. No, no, Sean overhears it. Yes, yes. And then Sean tells Spinner. Which, by the way, okay, as much as I am sad to watch my darling son, my darling bisexual son, fall prey to the rumor mill, I love that his reaction is like, this is, this teacher is disgusting. Like, he responds (laughs) appropriately. 
to the situation. Oh, Sean, you're too pure for this world. I love my son. <laughs> I love him. I was just I was like, <laughs> so I said I was watching it this 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 morning at seven in the morning, and Good. I te- I texted Donnie. Yeah, I was like cleaning out my classroom. It's like the last day for <laughs> teachers today, and I get like this text from Frank. <laughs> It was like, and all caps, no, Sean, why, don't? Yeah, and, like, I hadn't watched the episode yet, and I was like, oh, no, and, like, oh, honey, uh, I love him. But, like, because he was confiding in Spinner. Yeah, it, <laughs> you know what? You why know what? Spinner? <laughs> no, all the, though, okay, actually, headcanon, like, maybe Spinner and Sean, because they're both on the basketball team. That would make sense. Like, maybe they're both like, hey, we're the bad kids. Like. Exactly. Um. We got each other. Wait, and they both got held back too, right? Yeah, yeah. So they would have been in the same grade, I assume. Yeah. At some point. Um. Spinner tells Jimmy. Jimmy tells Ashley. Um. And Ashley brings it back to Liberty. Yeah, it's like they have a meeting, they're having like a student council type meeting, and like, Liberty's like, oh wow, everything's going so well. Um, even though like, kids are laughing behind the window and stuff. I feel like that, I don't feel like that was part of the plot, I just feel like that happens every time the student council meets. (laughs) Perhaps, but like, (laughs) Ashley then talks to her and is like, you know, do you know what's going on? And I, though sorry, I just would have really loved it if Ashley was just standing by the window. It's like here they come, just pulls down a shade. Yeah, that would have been good. I mean, although I will give Ashley this, the way that Ashley addresses this with Liberty, and I think that my favorite times of Ashley as a character are when she does the right thing, but it's purely in character, where she's like. Do you know what's going on? <laughs> I'm going to tell you what's going on. I'm not going to do very much about it, but I'm going to tell you what's going on. Ash- well, Ashley's the only one that's honest with her. Yeah, like, Ashley li- is. Like, literally, let's see, Emma, Manny, Terry, God, keep talking, I'm just going to yeah, yeah. this real well, quick. Like, the thing is, is like, so Ashley tries to confront it with Liberty, um, and Liberty is rightfully hurt, and this was really in the episode when I really realized how lonely she is. Alright, I'm just gonna say nine people. Yeah, that we know one, of. Only one of them went to, actually went to Liberty to talk to her. And that was just the direct chain. Like, we don't know all the splinterings amongst all the friends which aren't scripted characters. For, like, we, for, for we know, Paige sent out a group chat. Yeah, yeah, like, on her groovy, like, key, QWERTY keyboard phone. Um... Like, but the thing is, like, t- like you know, it keeps getting upgraded more and more. Yeah, yeah. So what starts as Emma's observation, which is Armstrong is touching Liberty, it's kind of weird, then becomes Liberty and Armstrong, period, doing it, period, according to Jimmy's I am. <laughs> um, like, though Paige is at first the voice of reason. Yeah, Paige... Paige handles it like a teenager would, honestly. Doesn't she say there? This is just rumors happen, or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah, she says something like that. In fact, she sings all of Adele's "Rumor Has It." She she came from the future. <laughs> honestly, I would be. I wouldn't. Ex- I wouldn't be unsurprised. I wouldn't be surprised, and I would be completely delighted. Right, but like. <laughs> 
I mean, I think Paige is very in line with Paige, where she's like, ew, also, I'm going to send text to Hazel. <laughs> oh, that's gross. Oh, Hazel, guess what? Um, so anyway, Liberty, um, Liberty's upset by this. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and there's also a note passed from Armstrong, too. Yes, yes, it's like a pink note, so Emma sees this and kind of freaks out, and like- Well, while Jimmy is telling her some stupid story. Yeah, but like, in the process, also, once again, Armstrong does this very long grasp of her arm and stuff like that. Like, things that- I'm sorry, like, even if you are not having a romantic or sexual relationship with a student, it's way too long, dude. Like, don't touch a kid that long. Yeah. Like, I'm just thinking back, like, because, you know, I have a normal office job, and, like, I don't touch anybody. No, no, no. Because it's like, it's not something you do. Yeah. This one woman was just... Just hated our job so much that she came up to me just crying and like we had barely spoken and she's just like I hate this place and just started talking to me about it and I was just sitting there I'm like I don't know what to do so I'm like I like yeah. kind of pat her on the arm but I was yeah. like alright that's too much okay you, you're done just put the arm back down well that's the <laughs> just thing listen. yeah like that's the thing it's like and I think that most people if they really thought about it would probably feel the same way you do where it's like like, I don't know about you, like, I mean, you're a hugger, but, like, <laughs> you know me, Frank. Like, I don't touch people very much at all. And I understand I'm a sexual assault advocate. I work on a sexual assault hotline. So, like, my views on touching people are very different because of my the fact that I work extensively with survivors of sexual assault. But, like, even before I worked on the hotline, I didn't touch people unless it was very well established that person wanted to be touched. Not to act like I'm better than people, but, like, my knee-jerk reaction, even if I'm close to somebody, is not going to be to touch them. Yeah, and I've learned, through like, throughout the years, because I used to be just, like, I, I, when I was young and just awful, I hated 21-year-old Frank, I'm so glad he's gone. I'm glad <laughs> I never met 21-year-old Frank. You would not like him. Uh, he, I'm sure I wouldn't. He was whiny and awful, but... <laughs> And he used to play this dumb cane called, and I, uh, here, let me try and legitimize myself. You're like, I played this with both men and women called taking it past the hug threshold until this one girl in my, in my, uh, community service fraternity was like, okay, Frank, okay. And then just put both hands on my chest and just shoved my ass to the ground. Good. Rightfully so. Good. Good. But, like, now I've, re- I've come to realize there are some people that, like, I'm willing to give hugs to and are willing to accept hugs at almost any time, and some people who do not want hugs. Like, my sister. I love her to death, but she does not want hugs. Like, unless she, in- you know, initiates them at first. My dad, like, tries to shake my hand when we leave, and I push his hand away. He's like, what is this nonsense? And then we hug, because that's how my dad and I do. Like... You learn. Yeah. And which, <laughs> you learn what people are comfortable with, and you respect that. Which kind of brings me to the climax of this whole entire thing, which is Armstrong is about to start class. Well, like, oh, also there's the whole thing where Emma is like, oh, I'm going to help you figure out who started this rumor. <laughs> but, like, after backtracking, she finds out she's the source of the rumor. Yeah. Which, once again, like, I don't think Emma's wrong. I can't, even though I understand Liberty is hurt by this whole entire thing... I'll get more to this to the end, because, like, Emma is backtracking. Everything's really tense. Armstrong's about to teach. 
and the principal comes in and said and like you know brings him in for questioning and also brings liberty in for questioning which i also hate like i hate that both the perpetrator <laughs> and the survivor potential survivor both have to come into the principal's office simultaneously not at all subtle Potentially traumatizing her further. Like what? Like like pr- like Prince Principal, what are you doing? Yeah, it this was is the awful. worst idea. It was awful, and once again, I understand early aughts. So, like you know, we are looking at this from an older, you know, a, you know, many years later. But like watching it happen, I was like, Jesus Christ, are you serious? Sorry, I do have to disagree with you on the like we know better now because. Like, I remember back in the 60s and 70s, once we invented two-way mirrors, like, you you identify the criminal so they never see you again. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Come on. How about you call Liberty in first and be like, hey, what's going on? Like, I can't imagine a, a nightmare scenario worse than, like, here, sit accuser and accused sit in the same room together let's just hash this out well it's like it's also very similar to how a lot of school districts handle bullying right like a lot of school districts will bring the bully and the survivor of bullying put them in the same room and make them hash it out like and we at least anybody who knows anything about this type of stuff like that's not how you solve it like the perpetrator is a perpetrator. You need to take care of this in a way that is individualized that you're not further re-traumatizing or further traumatizing your survivor. Like that's so basic to me to watch not only Armstrong get ripped out of class, which is traumatizing to the kids, but to also have Liberty have to walk out is really upsetting. It like I get once again, going back to the thing about isolation, like I never like unless I asked to go to the restroom, I never wanted to leave the cr- classroom. Yeah. Like I had to take a speech class, and like my my math teacher constantly would like it was either like, "Hey, you're going to be late," or "You don't leave yet. Your speech class hasn't started yet." And it's like it's so like you. I can't like you feel so alone in that moment, and I. Poor, poor Liberty. <laughs> yeah, it just, like, furthers this isolation of her. So, she gets sent to the office, and Emma, you know... <laughs> Emma goes running out. I don't think the substitute teacher they got for Armstrong's class says anything. No, 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 no. It's Why would she? <laughs> You're going to the bathroom, or whatever. <laughs> You're like, alright, alright, kid. But, like, so she runs, and... You know, she comes in, and it appears that Armstrong has at least been, like, preliminary, like, some sort of discussion has happened. And, and, like, you know, she comes in, and the principal's face just falls. Because Emma's like, you know, I have to say something. Like, you know, she's like, you know, she says she has to talk. And there's this moment where the principal glares at the teacher as if, like, this is a second survivor coming forward. Which it was terrifying for me to watch. And, you know... I was yeah. just wondering if the principal knew about what happened over... Th- Probably, because Snake was there. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't think there's any way to tell, really. Yeah. But, like, that wouldn't be... Part- I feel like that, in the eyes of a principal, would if the principal knew, I feel like it would not help Armstrong's case, because it's like, oh, because principals, you know, 
It depends on the size of the school. As somebody who has worked in a pretty small school, which seems to be the framework that Degrassi's trying to work within, Mm -hmm. you know every single kid. Yeah. In some capacity. You may not always talk to them, but you know their reputations. And I could only imagine as a principal, if your quiet but studious student may be involved in this, and then your kid, whom you may know was a survivor of a similar incident, like, the, whether it's fair or not, the red flags are out. Yeah. Like, whether it's fair assessment or not, y- y- it's it's cause for suspicion unfortunately yeah um but yeah emma emma kind of confronts it and you know kind of explains her point of view um which obviously you know after talking to liberty and saying like we're gonna get whoever like you know we're gonna have a stern talking to to whoever originated this it's one of those things where like she's like no i was in the wrong but once again i don't really think emma was in the wrong because, like, even, like, if you strip away, like, everything that's said, like, that's still, it, like, yeah, like, there's just nothing good, like, yeah. about, like, that situation. Like, even, like, if I had heard, like, just that, just, yeah. like, I walked in and he had his arm around a student, I'm, I'm gonna, like, just start keeping an eye out like yeah yeah no absolutely and and the problem with this episode which granted it's kind of hard to like Degrassi shows adults but we're not going to necessarily get the adults point of view outside of like the first episode like we're not going to cut to Armstrong and the principal talking yeah we're not going to cut to Armstrong and the principal talking but I wish there was a way we could have where Radish is like look like I know you meant well and I know you want to support these kids, but you gotta be careful. Yeah. Like, there, people, like, even if you are well-intentioned, your power dynamic as a teacher has consequences. Yeah. Now that I think about it, like, that was, like, a lot of what the first episode was, was, pe- te- like, parents talking to one another. Yeah, yeah. And then we just kind of left that in the dust. (laughs) Yeah, which, like, granted, I get it. It was kind of, like, one of those things where it's like, oh, look at all these past actors and stuff like that. And I understand it was kind of to help people transition into this new cast, but there's something to be said about the importance of having, like, because the lesson in this episode because of the way that things go and the fact that we never see Armstrong called out for his own behavior results in the idea that Emma shouldn't have caused a rumor, and that's kind of the big takeaway, because Emma confronts, says that, you know, explains the truth, and then has a conversation with Liberty afterwards, and it's very emotional. My heart ached watching it, because, you know, Emma's talking to her, trying to get to the bottom of it, and in the process, Liberty confesses that she has a learning disability. Yeah, um dyscalcula yeah she has dyscalcula and which you know is something that i know quite a few students who have had that as their diagnosis it's not an uncommon learning disability but for somebody like liberty who admits like it's all about her perception which made me ache even more because she says like basically what matters to her is that she is perceived and that she is smart yeah and that's it it's not I care, you know, what people think about me outside of the fact that I want to be perceived as smart. I have a learning disability that makes me perceived as not smart. Yeah. 
Um. And then, like, they have this conversation, and Liberty calls out Emma and says, like, you know, you should just focus on working on the environment. You're not good at people. Which, I think that there's something to be said. Like, I mean, I think there is a conversation piece, right, about, like, white knighting and how, you know, you, you shouldn't really be going about these things half-cocked without some sort of conversation ahead of time and how rumors can spread and perceptions can be bad and it does put Liberty in a really weird spot now. But also, much like Spinner's plot where Spinner never gets acknowledged for his truth, Emma never gets any, like, you know, any positive reaction toward her truth, which is still this very real issue that this teacher was touching Liberty in a way that could be perceived as inappropriate. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, that I that's another reason I really would have loved. Because, like, the... Like, the, um, without the radish dressing down Armstrong scene, mm-hmm. like, it gives it, like, for me, tacit approval that, like, the arm around the shoulder of a student is not bad. Yeah. What's bad is, like, how it got blown out of proportion. And, like, this, we've said before, this show means a lot to a lot of people. Yes. So, it, like, to have, like, the show say that just, I'm, I'm it makes me worried, because I know it's in the past, but, like, it makes me worried for what kind of damage that could do, or, like, because so, we all get influenced by TV in some small way, it's just like, yep. oh, somebody put his, like, a teacher put his arm around me, it's okay, and, like, it's one of those, it's, yep. like, um, I forget, did Liberty and Emma have a conversation? I remember Emma watching Liberty at lunch. I'd... Before before they say like oh let's go kick the butt of the person she really doesn't check her in check in on her outside of like oh there's a rumor spreading I'm gonna get to the bottom of it but also I feel like the purpose of that is like because she didn't check in that's why the rumor mill was so vicious because she did not think to check in with Liberty about what the nature of their dynamic was I would have really loved for Liberty to be like you could have just come and talked to me mm-hmm. <laughs> you could just asked me what was going on. Yeah, like, it's a real toss-up to me, because I don't think Liberty and Emma reacted in any way that could be misconstrued as inaccurate. I think that Liberty, like, the other thing about it is, like, Liberty is, like, her issue is Armstrong's giving her extra help. The extra help is to help her, you know, keep on track because her learning disability is gonna pull her back, which... I don't know if we've established this. Armstrong's a math teacher. So, like, that tracks, right? Like, this is a math teacher. She's helping, he's helping Liberty get, you know, on track and stay on track concerning math. Which, like, fine. That is well within your rights as a teacher. That's well within your rights as a student. Like, none of that is wrong. And I would argue that's how teaching should be. You should be helping your kids and elevating them if they want to put the time into it. Like, cool, awesome, I would love to teach, like, ten liberties in a class. Like, <laughs> as, you know, because at the end of the day, she wants to do better. So that's okay. But we don't really get very much input on liberty on the nature of her and Armstrong's relationship outside of it. Yeah. We don't get 
any reasoning behind that intimacy. It's not like Liberty says anything along the lines of like, you know, I I love Mr. Armstrong because I aspire to be like him. Or he makes me like, you know, he's very, and I hate saying this because I feel like this can be construed as romantic. But like, you know, like he makes me feel less stupid basically. Yeah. Like I and I feel like that's something Liberty would be able to say. Like something about how his his dynamic with her is going to be more warm, is going to be more welcoming because that's what she needs to not freak out. I I feel listened to when I'm talking to Mr. Armstrong. Yeah, like we don't get that. We just get that Armstrong is helping her with, you know, better managing her learning disability, which is still an important thing. But we don't really get any established consent on Liberty's end that she's okay with this dynamic on a, in, on like a physical level. Yeah. Because like, are there kids who, you know, maybe more touchy-feely? Absolutely. Um, like Frank, I know you taught for a very brief time, but like, there's some kids that like, I see... And I, I brace myself because I know, like, I'm about to get, like, the biggest hug. Like... Kids did not like me when I subbed. Well, <laughs> well... I was, like, stiff and awkward. It's not for... It's, it's fine. But, like, you know, I have a couple kids... <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. I, I have, like, a couple kids that if I see them, I pretty much gotta brace myself because they're gonna tackle me, basically. And, like, there are some kids that are just more tactile, and, you know, I don't love it all the time, but, like... <laughs> like, I, my idea of getting hugged as a teacher is just standing, like, stock still, arms at my side. Oh, yeah, no, I definitely do, like, the very awkward, like, pat on the back type stuff. Like, I don't give... I try to give, like, half as much as they give me. If yeah. that makes sense. Like, I try to not... I mean, graduation just happened. I gave them a lot, but that's because, like, they're my babies and now they've graduated and there's a whole future. So, like, I let myself do that. But also, like, they're graduated now. Our dynamic is a little different. Yeah. Like, I had a teacher in high school who was just like, I'm Mrs. So-and-so until you graduate. Like, once you graduate... No, I think it was like, I'm Mrs. So-and-so until you graduate college. Oh, I should have done that. Ooh. Once you come back, then I can be, uh, her name was Jill. She was awesome. Yeah, yeah, and, um, like, so I feel like, obviously not everyone has that dynamic, but, like, some people do have that dynamic with a teacher where they keep in touch with them outside of high school, and the dynamic becomes way more casual. Like, I have a kid that I, I have very, like, it's more of a mentor-mentee. It's not really a former teacher and a student. It's more like I... I try to guide this kid in the right direction, but also I get sent a awful lot of memes once a week. <laughs> and, and, like you know, it's a little unconventional, but, you know, I'm very careful with my words, I'm very careful in what I say, and more importantly, I understand that as somebody who was the teacher, I have a lot of power in what I do. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that I really wanted to see out of this plot was I wanted some sort of reiteration that Armstrong has to realize the weight behind him being a teacher means that there is a power dynamic at play, especially working with middle schoolers, Jesus. Yeah. That he needs to be constantly cognizant of. It would be really interesting if they actually checked in on this again and saw if, like, he's kept tutoring liberty yeah because that like 
because they say rumors and reputation, and I'm really wondering if Armstrong's reputation, like, took a significant blow during this little incident. Yeah, yeah, which, like, I, knock on wood, like, I have not been caught up in something like this, um, I'll say yet so I don't jinx myself, because, like, I don't want to be like, I've never had this happen, and then, like, I get (laughs) caught up in something like this, but I know teachers who have had this happen, um, and, you know, I'm not gonna, I don't know all of the context of it, because I was a student at the time, but I know what my, like, AP world teacher got caught up in something like this, where there were accusations toward her, I don't know anything, and it's been, like, you know, almost 10 years since that happened. But I remember that even after everything, like, the dust settled with it, she, you know, she kept her job, but, like, everything was very tense for her. Yeah. And, like, everything she did, you could tell that, like, she was thinking and overanalyzing it. Yeah. And it it can, even if you have the best intentions, that can damage how you perceive rapport, which is really important as a teacher. But once again, we're not, you know, they don't really explore that implication, at least in this 22-minute episode. Yeah, I'm just thinking about, like, at my job, this one dude said some weird stuff about birthday spankings to one of my coworkers, and I, I just, like, I remember just glaring at him, and I've never forgiven him for that. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I know his intentions were probably harmless, but that's still a gross thing to say, and I will not forget it. <laughs> As you should. Like, Nor will I forget. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, um, got anything else on this? No, not not particularly, other than, like, ugh, I just want Liberty to have friends, and friends that actually respect her. Yeah. Like, she's, I feel like, uh, throughout this episode, like, it just... And I've always had this feeling toward watching Liberty, at least upon this rewatch, where it's like, she's not necessarily the most entertaining on, like, a TV level, but she's the realist. Mm-hmm. And even though she may not be the most, like, I don't want to say engaging, but, like, she, you know, it's like, she, she, you know who she is, and that doesn't always lead to, like, her being the most entertaining character, but, like, she's the realist, and she's the kid that I could already sense like i would be trying my best to cheer for yeah whenever possible because it's just like there's some people that are just mean there are some people that are like standoffish Mm -hmm. like and then there's and like you don't want to be around them for those reasons but then there's the one person that's overzealous and you you know there's goodness like behind their actions but like you find them like grating and you don't want to be around them but you're like, I hate that I can't like you more. Yeah. Because you're just a bit too much for me. But I think that also kind of speaks to this issue with Liberty, where I think that we would probably appreciate her more if we could see her blossom with a friendship. Yeah. If we could see her beyond this, I'm a smart student and I'm very involved archetype. Yeah, if she could just... It's, I just, like, I really wish she had somebody in this episode just to be like, hey, like, how are you doing? Let's just calm it down and just work this out. But it didn't happen. No. Unfortunately, no. But, um, 
Uh, I guess we'll uh, go to character rankings. Uh, a lot of people are staying the same. Yeah, I guess just like whoever's changing their uh, pace. Liberty is rising up a little bit more because of like standing up for herself against Emma. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I agree with you completely that Emma had the right intentions and like had the right idea, but like didn't the wrong way, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but Liberty just finally being able to put her foot down because I felt really bad at the end of the the uh, the episode uh, where the the one where she does the announcements and like actually just slam dunks on her yeah. and it's not cool like because it was just it was just punching down like yeah that's never fun yeah but like actually like or excuse me Liberty just standing toe to toe with Emma and being like you did not do this well. Like, just, I felt like it took a lot of strength for her to do that, especially after everything she's been through over the last few days. Mm-hmm. Um, Spinner, eh, you're rising a little bit for your terrible plan. And just, because I just feel so bad for you, boy. Come on, just, like, work it out. Just yeah, Think nah, a little more critically. <laughs> it's rough. It's poor, this poor kid. I just want him to be believed. Like, uh, Emma is rising a little bit for, like... Emma needs a big sister. I agree. Like, she needs somebody who's not Spike to talk to about, like, stuff that she doesn't understand. I agree. Like, I think that's why, like, this episode <laughs> highlights more what happened last week with the, with Paige. Like, I want her sis- big sister to be Paige. Oh Let's my just god, lay some cards on yes! The table. <laughs> like, <clears throat> really, like, I'm just wondering what Paige would have done if she saw this. That's an interesting one. That would be a very interesting curveball in in the narrative. Like especially after like her her like sisterhood moment with Emma last episode. Yeah. Like would she ooh a fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> I I would say she would probably talk to Liberty first. Like cuz I feel like Paige Paige is, I feel, just, like, a bit street smarter than the rest of these kids. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing about Paige is I feel like she would have to be in the epicenter. If she wasn't, then she just does what she does in this episode. Yeah. If she was, like, directly there, like, if Paige saw what had happened, she would have just stormed in. (laughs) She would have been like, what's going on here? (laughs) Like, hey, Armstrong, you grabbed my paper yet? Like, we're not, we'll test. She's, he's a math teacher. Did you grade my test yet? <laughs> Did you grade my paper about algorithms? Right? <laughs> like, I feel like she would have just jumped in, but because she was, you know, she loves a good rumor. I mean, she's she's a teenage girl. Like, I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to fall her. <laughs> maybe, maybe. God, I think I feel like we're the parents spoiling like the one child, the one chi- like the golden child that can do no wrong. <laughs> I I admittedly, well, here's the problem. I always knew I had a uh, a bias toward Paige. You've just fallen into the bias toward Paige. <laughs> I've I've always been well aware of my my soft spot toward her. I actually talked to somebody today. Um, who said she hated Paige, and it was really hard for me to continue the conversation, because I was like, yeah, but that's my daughter. (laughs) Okay, I hear your point of view, valid, but that's my daughter. (laughs) 
Don't ever talk to me or my well-dressed daughter again. Right? <laughs> Don't ever talk to me or my daughter or my daughter's snakeskin, like, sparkly crop top ever again. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, that's the only people really changing. Like, Toby wasn't in the, barely in this. <laughs> I know, what a, what a sight. Like, and I, you know why Toby wasn't in this? Because Toby would have been a voice of reason, and, like, that would have, like, gummed up the works a little bit, because Toby would be like, why don't we slow it down? <laughs> yeah, yeah, which, like, you know, and, and once again, this whole idea of a rumor mill, I'm not opposed to the plot. I think that it's a very realistic thing to have this discussion of how, like, things get chewed up and spat out when you have a mass amount of people talking about it. I'm not gonna, you know, knock that whole entire idea, but, you know, there wasn't very much filtering of Emma's thoughts and where I think Toby usually probably would have filled that role, which is probably the point. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, that's really it. Yeah, like, that's fine. Um, should we go to recommendations? Yes. Oh, uh, I, I give this plot, like, a C. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think there's moments that are good, but I also feel like there are a lot of moments that, like, this episode just kind of missed the mark for me to, like, recommend it. I feel like if they redid it, I'm sure they would have done something a little differently. I feel like... It, Neither plot really got to the root of the issue. Yeah. Um, so, you have recommendations? Yes, I do. So, um, I'm going to kick it old school with my first recommendation. Um, particularly because of the discussion of sexual assault that both happens in this episode, but also in a bigger, you know, a bigger piece. Um, I've decided that I'm going to revisit this book, um, Speak, by Laurie Hulse Anderson, um, which is focused on a girl who is sexually assaulted, um, and kind of her navigating school and life after that fact. Um, there's a pretty decent Lifetime movie adaptation, if you haven't seen it, featuring Kristen Stewart, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. Um, and there's a graphic novel that actually came out in February. Mm. So if you're interested in revisiting this or you haven't visited this yet, um, it's worth checking out. I have a lot of respect for the author, especially in this Me Too era. She's really trying to bring attention to sexual assault and the struggles that survivors go through. Um, so I think that, you know, for such a classic young adult book, um, it's worth revisiting and checking out. It doesn't quite follow all of the, the formula of Liberty's situation, but if you want to see a really, really important moment in discussing sexual assault and being a survivor of it, Definitely consider picking up Speak, whether it's a reread or a new read. Um, and my other recommendation is a little lighter, um, which is My Hero Academia. If you haven't checked out this anime or manga yet, um, the premise of it, to keep it short and sweet, is um, there are there is a school. It's um, there's a track which specifically facilitates like kids who have developed what are called quirks, so they have some sort of, of magical ability of sorts that they can then kind of use to potentially become superheroes. Um, so there's a lot of, like, good, lighthearted shonen in it. I mean, there's also some shonen issues, especially with regards to how the female characters are treated. But in spite of its flaws, I think what's really beautiful about the series is actually the relationship dynamic between a lot of the teachers and the students. So if you want to see something that's very affirming in terms of 
not only just teachers and students, but also the right and wrong ways and the way that adults don't always know the answer, definitely consider checking out My Hero Academia because you see very interesting depictions of how teachers approach interacting with their students and how bias can develop and how just because you care doesn't make you a good teacher and all of these really interesting questions which are not necessarily the focus of the series. I mean it's a shonen. It's about a kid who becomes the greatest hero ever and this is kind of the plot to him getting there. There's these very good supporting moments amongst a lot of the adults in the series that I strongly recommend. Yeah, um, those both sound great. I mean, I saw a little bit of My Hero Academia. It's it's really good. I love it. I absolutely adore it. Um, my recommendation is if you would like to see this plot, but from the teacher's perspective, is a movie from 2012 called The Hunt, mm. starring Mads Mikkelsen. Um, it's Danish title is, um, Jogten, J-A-G-T-E-N. Um, it's, much like Degrassi, it goes there. But I have another one, kind of more talking about what we, kind of about talking about what we're, the, the, basically, um, basically being a side character in one of these things. But, okay, the rest of us just live here by Patrick Ness. Um, so this is the book about the supporting characters around the hero's journey. That's beautiful. <laughs> like, I love that. It's pretty good. Like, uh, there are plenty of, of fine books about the hero's journey, but here's a clever, soulful look at what happens to the innocent bystanders when the chosen ones duke it out. So, check... I check out both of those. I feel like that's just going to be a constant recommendation of of this <laughs> series. It's like consider reading this and imagine what it's like being the kid who doesn't try to organize a earwig related coup in the cafeteria, <laughs> or, or isn't or isn't the epicenter of some terrible rumors that. We're, I, I'm trying not to, like, make Emma sound like a bad person. I know. That's the problem with this plot, is that, like, I emphatically don't believe Emma's in the wrong. The plot tried to really drive that home. Yeah. Like, come on. Come on, Degrassi. Come on. Especially after last episode. But, you know, we couldn't be happy forever. Oh, and I do have to say, though, Sean, realizing he was wrong, looks even more horrified. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... What I will say about this, not to bring it up with the plot again, I do appreciate how many kids were like, this is wrong. And I understand to a certain extent there's this gender aspect because it's a male teacher coming on to a potential, like potentially coming on to a, a young girl. But I do appreciate that like, and I understand that if this was like a boy with a teacher who was a woman, it would probably be perceived differently. But I do appreciate seeing all the kids being like, that's not right. Yeah. Like I appreciate them not being, you know, making it into this potentially positive thing. Like, they all were like, that's not good. And a lot of the students were like, why don't you report it or you should report it? Mm -hmm. And I, even though, like, obviously survivors should figure things out and their sense of justice and how to finish things is not necessarily telling the authorities, yeah. I do appreciate that the kids were open and receptive toward the idea. Yeah. But I guess a final thought. Um, yeah, so, kind of complicated one. Frustrating Ooh. one. Uh, yeah. Uh, I hope next week is something 
I don't even know it yet. I have to look it up. But if you want to keep in touch with us, please don't hesitate to email us at ihopepod um, at gmail.com. We are very, very interested in hearing your thoughts. So whether you have questions for us or if you want to send us a soundbite or a transcript of some kind, reflecting on how important Degrassi was to you or potentially an episode was important to you, we would love to read it or play it on air. So please don't hesitate to send it to us. I don't know. I mean, there's some things happening in season one we have left. I know a lot of people are really interested in, like, two and three. A lot of characters come in in two and three. Feel free to send it to us ahead of time. I check the email so Frank doesn't get spoiled. <laughs> um, and also, if you would like to appear on the show, uh, just write into us and we'll see if we can make it happen. Absolutely. Feel free to tell us if there's any specific episodes or any characters or just I would love to come on as soon as you can as soon as you can have me. Um, we love talking to each other, but we also <laughs> really love adding a third or fourth person into the mix as well. Um, other than that, feel free to follow us on Twitter at iHopePod. Feel free to follow us on Tumblr at iHopePod. Um, and also, please remember to rate and review and subscribe and do stuff like that. Anything that you can to help us get to a bigger audience. We know Degrassi means a lot to people. We're trying to promote this as best as we can, but it definitely helps. Word of mouth never hurts a podcast, provided you're saying nice things about us. Yes, please. <laughs> please, please. Anyway, if you want to keep in touch with me outside of I hope, uh, like I hope I can make it through related stuff, you can find me on Twitter at DM is unbreakable. Um, and feel free to tweet at me or follow me and do all of that fun stuff. Um, I'm at stuck dancing on Twitter. Um, and uh, if it's mostly just cute animals, um, especially this one particular dog, but um, <laughs> he's cute. He's cute. <laughs> But, um, you know, I'd love to chat with you, too. Uh, I have another podcast with my sister called Teen Girl Talk, um, where it's a bit, it's a bit sillier than this one, because we mostly do stuff like Teen Wolf and Also, to Riverdale. be fair, your co-host, your co-host is very neurotic. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly, yes. Yes. But, uh, feel free to keep in touch with us at those various things. That being said, we hope we can keep making it through, and hopefully you can be there with us. Um, <laughs> see you next time, everybody. Laters. Laters.